Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. I'm Gavin Ward, host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with the Chief Medical Officer for Contra Costa Health Plan, Dr. Dennis Shia, who I found out was actually a big soccer fan. And fortunately for you, this did not turn into a long soccer episode because I could talk about soccer for hours. But really, the focus of today's episode was to learn what is happening in Contra Costa County as the Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Shia, leads mostly CalAIM initiatives that focus on a variety of things that fall under the Community Supports or ECM uh, label, but there's also a lot more that he shares at the end of the episode that CCHP is involved with besides just the ECM and Community Supports. We hope you enjoyed today's episode where Dr. Shia shares a little bit about his upbringing and what drove his passion to really focus on the social determinants of care and not just the medical side of patients. We also learn that Dr. Shia has both a legal and medical background. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Feel free to check out other episodes of Pop Elf Podcast by visiting us at popelfpodcast.com, checking us out on our YouTube channel, or listening to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy today's episode. Good morning, Dr. Shia. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Good morning. Great to be here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, for joining. Uh, audience, not sure if you're aware, well, you're probably not aware, but I've been trying to get Dr. Shia on for a long time, so it's been great uh, to finally have him and his expertise uh, on the show. So, Dr. Shia, we'd like to kick off the shows by getting to know the guest a little bit. Could you share something about yourself outside of the workplace, a hobby, fun fact, something like that? Sure. I think uh, one thing I very much enjoy doing is playing soccer and snowboarding. So I guess two things and try to play soccer every few weeks and, you know, snowboard every winter. Awesome. Are you in an organized soccer league at all or just kind of pick up or with friends? Uh, pick up with friends mostly. Nice. I'm a huge soccer fan. I've uh, been to the World Cup in Germany in 2006. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, you're in Northern California, so I know you have a team not too far from you guys in Oakland that's a minor league team, but do you have a, uh, a favorite team in soccer? Uh, you know, being from Los Angeles, even though I know American soccer may be considered less prestigious than European soccer, uh, I follow my LA team closely. Nice. I'm actually a season ticket holder for, uh, for LA Galaxy. So uh, they're hosting a home game, yay, home playoff game coming up. So very excited. Well, give us a little bit of background. Yeah, you mentioned uh, your passions uh, for soccer and snowboarding. Um, You mentioned LA, being from LA. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and ultimately how you decided to get into medicine. Sure. So I grew up northwest of Los Angeles in Ventura County. And I think had always been interested in medicine ever since I was young, but I think, you know, for me really working in Chinatown when I was in college in Boston at Harvard was something that really took things to the next level. When I was working in Chinatown, I saw a lot of need and a lot of issues affecting health and also just individuals' ability to integrate into a new country, including language services, social services. I think this whole package has become a central part of why I entered medicine 
and the key interest, which I think leads well into our topic for today in terms of CalAIM, just because, as we all know, CalAIM is really looking at not just the medical, but really the whole person, the social determinants of health, and all those factors that go into health. That's great. You mentioned working in Chinatown. Do you speak any other languages? I do. I speak Mandarin fluently and Spanish conversationally. Okay, nice. So three, about three languages, uh, at least a little bit. Uh, my wife is actually yeah. Chinese, and she she's born and raised here, but she speaks a dialect called Toisan. Not sure if you heard of Toisan before. Yes. Okay. Uh, awesome. Something I wish I knew. Definitely encounter patients, especially in Oakland. Um, there's many Toisanese speaking patients, and it's always uh, harder to find a translator than I'd yeah. like. Yes, we uh, her side of the family has a lot of folks uh, that we go visit up there in Northern California. So uh, definitely understand what you're saying there. So you mentioned Harvard. Uh, tell us a little bit about your medical schooling, uh, both undergrad and uh, your medical school. Sure. So I was at Harvard for undergrad. I studied biochemical sciences and then was lucky enough to go to University of California, San Francisco for medical school where I, and then I did emergency medicine for residency in Oakland, California at Highland Hospital. Okay, awesome. Now you mentioned uh, kind of the, not just medical, we'll get into CalAIM in just a minute, but kind of the social uh, focus of CalAIM as well. You mentioned your time in Chinatown and you, you witnessed things that really drove that passion. When you were going to school for medicine, were you thinking, you know, I'm just going to be a frontline doctor and take care of patients? Or did you always have a vision of, of being a leader and ultimately getting to the CMO role? Great question. I think part when I started medical school back in 2003, I think the social determinants were much less of a focus for medicine as a whole. So I actually took time off between my second and third year, went to law school at Yale, and then worked for two years after that. So total of five years off in South LA and Compton as a legal services attorney, starting a couple of medical legal partnerships at a couple of federally qualified health centers. So I think, you know, from my work in Chinatown and from my personal statement from medical school, I was always interested in the social determinants. And I don't think I ever thought too much about what that would look like other than I knew it was an integral part of what I wanted my practice to be. And I think as I proceeded through my training, realized that this was not as much of an emphasis as I felt it should be. Felt that it would be interesting to take a leadership role just to really focus on this and really make sure that things are addressed appropriately so that patients can have the best health outcome possible. Wow. So you're both a doctor. Are you still considered like an active attorney or does, I don't know, know much about the, the field of law. Does that lapse or? So I'm still barred in the state of California. However, I don't practice. So there's two statuses available. There's active and inactive. And I'm in the inactive status, which means I still have to pay the Bar Association every year to keep my license, even though I am not practicing, which one could consider an interesting proposition. Yeah. So is it hard to flip that switch to go back to active? Do you have to retest if, if you ever, not saying you're, you're going to pursue it, but I'm just curious how that works. I think you do have to cash up on some CLEs um, yep. and you also have to pay a large amount of fees. But luckily, I do not believe if you maintain your status, you do not have to retake the bar exam. 
I hope not. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about your role as a CMO and Contra Costa Health Plan. First, let's focus on Contra Costa Health Plan or CCHP. Um, can you give us the audience an overview? Most of our audience is um, somewhat familiar with Medicaid or Medi-Cal, but not everyone is. We've had a, we've had some episodes on CalAIM, but not everyone's heard it. So let's start, maybe give an overview of CCHP and then maybe a general overview of CCHP's role in CalAIM. Sure. So... CCHP or Contra Costa Health Plan is a county-run health plan in Contra Costa County, which is one of the counties in Northern California. We're east of San Francisco and north of Alameda or Oakland. We The county is about 1.2 million people or so, and we have about 200,000, a little over 200,000 individuals in the plan. Most of our individuals in the plan are Medicaid or Medi-Cal in California members and a small number of in-home supportive services workers, county employees, and retirees. Awesome. And so you've been involved with CCHP for how long? So I've been with CCHP for a little over two years now. It feels like just yesterday, but it's been a busy two years. Awesome. So time's flying. Now you're in the CMO or chief medical officer role, which based on employer or organization could vary a little bit with a uh, county run health plan. Um, what does that role entail? So I think it uh, entails a number of different things. I like to break it down to three main areas. One, I think is just overseeing everything clinical and weighing in on that, whether it be our utilization management, our pharmacy services, our case management services, our appeals, grievances, and disputes, or sort of weighing in on areas that are related to clinical. Obviously, there are a lot of things in provider relations, as well as with member services. So pretty much all aspects of the plan, given that it is a health plan, do touch on things clinical, but not all units. Obviously, main purpose is clinical. And so that's sort of the big first area is really being that sub subject matter expert and really overseeing the clinical operations. The second aspect, I think, is the fun aspect. And the main reason I took the job is in this day and age with Kelly being such a big effort to transform Medicaid delivery as we know it, it's really being an integral part of Kelly, both understanding how that fits with our existing operations, but then also thinking through how to implement it and make sure that we're implementing it in a way that's true to the vision of CalAIM and also works locally with both our internal staff and our external partners, whether it be other uh, providers, community-based organizations, and or county government. So it's really, I think, working on CalAIM, I would say, has been a large part of my job. And then the third piece is obviously, with all the changes happening, there's things were unrelated to CalAIM in terms of direction of the organization, vision, strategy that I'm involved in, in terms of making sure that we have a healthy organization, we're heading in the right direction, and that we're constantly focused on continuous process improvement. Awesome. So with CalAIM, which you mentioned has been a big part of your job, you guys have implemented some of these new community supports. So audience, if you've seen past CalAIM-related episodes, you're probably familiar with this, but for those that haven't, Part of CalAIM, and Dr. Shia, please jump in if I get this wrong, is 14 different, I don't know if news, new or enhanced community supports 
um, that allow the member um, or the CCHP member, also known as patient or client, um, to receive services that may not have been available before. And I know with you guys, one of those is housing. Um, you have a few others as well. So can you touch on some of these community supports? Um, and then we'll touch on um, ECM or enhanced case management as well. Sure. So for the community supports, like you said, I think they fall into a few different categories. So I think there's a suite of services around individuals experiencing homelessness and helping them stabilize, navigate, and hopefully eventually transition out of homelessness. And that includes services such as housing navigation, and then after one becomes housed, tenancy support, and then two sort of around the transitions of care, both the post-hospital stabilization housing for individuals coming out of acute care, such as hospitals or LTACs or skilled nursing facilities, and medical respite, which is obviously a level of care slightly higher than just housing, but lower than skilled nursing facilities. So that's sort of the first suite of services. The second suite of services is also around housing, but has a different focus. So very much in terms of asthma home remediation and assessment and patient education. So really focusing on how do we improve the whole home or housing around a specific condition, asthma, for individuals who have asthma and may have home triggers. A third suite of services is really focused around older adults and transitioning or preventing them from being in long-term care. This is a new suite of services that's going live sometime over this next year, starting in 2023, as that population of focus comes in. So that looks at both how do we support families and older adults who are at risk of institutionalization and keeping them out of skilled nursing facilities, as well as how do we get them for those who are appropriate, currently in skilled nursing facilities, how do we support them to get to a lower level of care, whether that be home with sort of modifications to the home or to assisted living or boarding care or another level of care. And then fourth, there's medically tailored meals or medically supportive foods, which is really focused on how do we, similar to the asthma, reduce triggers around diet testing sensitive conditions such as diabetes or heart failure and provide food to help people with that. And I guess I sort of, there's a fifth, which I didn't bring up. So actually five different categories. One, the last one is sobering center, which I think is obviously in a category by itself in terms of supporting individuals with substance use disorder and helping them start the road to sobering and also hopefully staying sober long-term and with the focus of obviously keeping them out of acute care, whether that be the emergency department or inpatient setting. Got it. And with the sobering centers, I've heard a few talks on sobering centers. It really, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's not really intended to be housing, right? It's maybe like a 24 hour getting someone kind of stabilized and like you said, correct in the right direction. Okay. Got it. Awesome. Now you mentioned, uh, Dr. Shia, populations of focus. So this is probably a good mm -hmm. time to transition for the audience that may not have heard any of the past episodes on enhanced care management or enhanced case management. Uh, can you, this population of focus phrase, can you talk briefly about that? Sure. So I think how um, DHCS and the state are looking at this, DHCS being the Department of Healthcare Services, is that they've identified priority groups of individuals, which the department has termed populations of focus, 
who are high risk by certain criteria based on studies, based on data, and in terms of individuals who are eligible for enhanced care management, which I like to think of as being the quarterback for the patient's health and everything they have concerns about, or put another way, as one of my physician partners put it, being that concerned family member who can really have the level of literacy, the time to do the navigation and advocacy that a member needs. And, you know, for these different populations of focus, there are quite a few, but the ones that are currently active in California include individuals who are experiencing homelessness or at risk of homelessness, individuals who are high utilizers of the acute care system, which is defined as greater than five ED visits in six months, or three hospitalizations and or SNF admissions in the last six months, individuals with serious mental illness, individuals with substance use disorder, and individuals who are justice involved within the last 12 months. So there's other populations of focus, including children and youth, that starts next July, as well as individuals at risk or in long-term care, which begins this coming January. Awesome. That's a great overview. And um, folks, if you're not familiar, and DHCS has put out um, uh, an enhanced care management guide, community supports guide, and a lot of information that Dr. Shia um, just referenced. Um, I don't have the website handy, so apologize. But if you Google uh, DHCS, you know, enhanced care management or DHCS community supports or CalAIM, a lot of this information uh, could be found online as well. Uh, but Dr. Shia buttoned it up really nicely for us. So let's talk a little bit about, I don't know if your first year in CalAIM is fair to say, because we're recording this in the fall, but maybe like in your first six months or so of being live with CalAIM, um, I know from what I hear with other plans and my day job, I'm involved in CalAIM as well. You know, it's, it's as with any new program, it's not necessarily bursting at the seams, um, but we're starting to see some traction as a whole. Can you tell us with CCHP, what supports or what ECM, where you've seen some like maybe momentum or some early wins with these services? Definitely. I think in Contra Costa County, we had a large whole person care program. So one of the early wins in Contra Costa County um, has been really successfully transitioning that large population from whole person care to enhanced care management. And I think a second piece is Contra Costa County traditionally has a strong data and business intelligent arm just because we are an integrated system. So with that, we've been really able to leverage not just health plan data, but also data from our justice involved or custody system or custody health, as well as from our physical and behavioral health systems, as well as our homeless systems of care respecting the legal boundaries that do exist, especially around substance use disorder data. But with that caveat, really identifying individuals who are eligible for the populations of focus, and we're not just relying on, you know, solely health plan data or solely people hearing about the program to refer people in. Obviously, we do allow for people to refer in if they're interested, whether themselves or their families, but really are able to leverage that system perspective the data from different touch points within the system, whether someone's been at a shelter, been in the hospital, been in a skilled nursing facility, 
and really trying to proactively identify individuals who are high risk to get them enrolled. So I think those have been some early wins in terms of really both successfully transitioning that whole person care population, as well as identifying new individuals and getting them enrolled and approved at a robust rate. Awesome. Good to hear. So I know with the whole person care pilots in general, a lot of these CBOs or community-based organizations are uh, serving in that care management or case management role. With some of the health plans I see throughout the state, you know, finding good CBO partners uh, can be a challenge. There's good ones out there. With Cal Amon, for you guys, are you pretty much good with the provider network that you have? Or are, is CCHP still looking for support with CBOs and, and care management partners or even community support partners? Right. I think, you know, we as a managed care plan are always looking for additional partners. We like to have a robust network. You know, our current partners are doing a really good job and provide enough capacity. But I think there's always expertise out there that everybody can learn from and having a diversity of partners, both on the enhanced care management as well as the community support side. I think bring additional strength through cross learnings and through different experiences and different perspectives. Sounds good. And I know you, when you're talking about the cross learnings, different perspectives, collaborations, I've seen you speak at different uh, webinars where there's folks from different plans in the in the community. Um, now, my understanding with CCHP, uh, government-run health plan, you're also known as a county-operated health system, correct? C-O-H-F. Correct. Okay, that's a new phrase for me, so I'm, I'm trying to make sure I say it right. I'm guessing you collaborate with the other uh, county-operated health systems as well, uh, right? Correct. We do have shared learnings, I think, with other county-operated systems, such as, you know, I think there's a number of those same, including LA County, including, um, I guess Alameda County is technically not, but they also have a strong safety net, San Francisco, San Mateo partnership. So we coordinate, you know, both closely in terms of the delivery system side with our partners and in terms of the local initiative health plans. We also coordinate with a lot of the other plans that focus solely or the majority on Medicaid. Um, so I think in terms of that, we both have shared learnings on the provider side, but also on the plan side. Okay, cool. Now for 2023, while a big part of your job has been CalAIM, I'm curious, you know, outside of the CalAIM world with CCHP, what's down, what's coming down the pipeline? Any new niches uh, the audience should know about? You mean in, in addition to enhanced care management and community supports? Yeah. Is there anything outside of the CalAIM world um, that, that I know that's a huge focus of your role? Mm -hmm. uh, so perhaps not, but um, yeah, I just want to see if there's anything else the audience should know about if they work with patients uh, in Contra Costa Health Plan for future years here. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things. I mean, it depends on how you define CalAIM, right? I think CalAIM, on one hand, the state has said everything that's changing in Medicaid is part of CalAIM. Um, so from that broad yeah. definition, there are other parts of CalAIM, such as the community health worker benefit that just came abroad in July. There's the doula benefit starting next year. There's a carbon of the long-term care population, meaning individuals who are in long-term care who have traditionally been in fee-for-service Medi-Cal are coming into managed care. And then eventually, I think the Medicare, Medi-Cal dual eligible population sometime down the road 
is coming into managed care. So those are some of the other things in CalAIM outside of ECM and community supports that are to look forward to. And then obviously the department is also looking largely at population health in terms of both aggregating data from different systems of care, such as those systems I described we have available to us in Contra Costa. Not all counties, I think all systems have that because they're not necessarily as integrated as Contra Costa is. So I think it's really an effort to look at that. And obviously with population health, a lot more focus on transitions of care, risk stratification, and doing good work with the data that will be shared under population health. So those are some of the initiatives that come off the top of my head outside of ECM and community supports. That is really good feedback. I think I have my blinders on Dr. Shia with CalAIM and just being ECM and community supports. And so I really appreciate you. I'm sure the other audience members probably feel the same way. Um, I did have blinders on with CalAIM. There's a lot more to it than just ECM and community supports. So really appreciate it. Um, Dr. Shia, uh, what was, uh, folks, what was happening before uh, we hit record? I had a little technical issue and Dr. Shia was super patient. So um, I really appreciate you joining the show today, Dr. Shia. Is there anything else um, folks should know about CCHP, what's happening uh, down the road? I mean, I think, you know, the one thing that's happening with CCHP is we're currently a two-plan county with our plan partners, uh, both Kaiser in the county, as well as our partner plan, Anthem in the county. As of 2024, we are have been approved to become a single-plan model, meaning uh, Contra Costa Health Plan will be the only Medicaid plan in the county, and Kaiser, obviously, through a direct contract, will still have a presence in the county. So I think we're moving towards a system of more integrated care, and we're very excited for that and looking forward to really moving ahead, learning, and growing with CalAIM and all the exciting changes that are coming forth with the department. That's a really good point about 2024. Um, folks, you may be familiar with the, the state-wide RFP that happened with the different health plans and the changes that are coming down in 2024. So Dr. Shia, thank you for reminding me uh, about that as well. Now with that transition, uh, do you have an estimate about how many more members uh, your plan will have in 2024? I think we're still um, looking at the figures specifically, but my understanding is somewhere around 30 to 40,000. Okay, so some good some good growth there. Um, well, again, Dr. Shia, really appreciate it. I love that you mentioned soccer. I've talked with you before and I didn't pick up on that. So that was a great start to the show that I really enjoyed. Um, if folks want to uh, stay up to speed with CCHP, is the best way to do that um, on the website or do you have any other recommendations on how to keep tabs with what you guys are up to? Yeah, I think there's so many moving parts. I mean, I think our webpage definitely highlight some of our latest programs. We also have uh, twice a year, at least twice a year member newsletter and quarterly provider newsletter. I think those parts of the website, because both of those are shared on the website, may help highlight some of the latest and greatest of all that is going on. Okay, awesome. And uh, the website, forgive me for not having it uh, memorized, what is the general website that uh, folks can keep up to tabs on Contra Costa Health Plan? So it's cchealth.org okay. is our general county um, website for Contra Costa Health Services and then cchealth.org-health plan. 
focuses in on Contra Costa Health Plan. All right. Awesome. Well, again, Dr. Shia, thank you so much for joining the show today. I look forward to seeing you at some of these collaboratives, probably mostly virtually, uh, and best wishes uh, in 2023 and beyond. Thank you. Thank you for having me and great to talk to you again. Thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.